Kat. And I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 54, Back Where We Started. This week, we're discussing series 4, episode 11 of Doctor Who, Turn Left, and season 3, episode 19 of Buffy, Choices. As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. So, all right, turn left. Um, yeah, who who knew that one little directional change could cause such a, a snowball effect? Yeah. You know, a, a avalanche of sorts. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's turning left wasn't a huge decision, but it certainly led to very important mm-hmm. choices, which had huge implications later on. Yeah. Right, right. Well, right. And so we were just talking about and sort of thinking um, about the things we wanted to discuss here in the podcast, you know, what that sort of cumulative effect, uh, you know, that that each event sort of has. And and, um, so, yeah, so I guess before we get into all of that, though, maybe we can just talk about sort of the framing of the episode because it's interesting. We were talking about how both of these episodes uh, that we're going to discuss tonight, you you get this sense of at the end, you're kind of back where you started, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, you're, you're right where you left off maybe with some slight differences, you know, they come out with some slight knowledge difference um, here. So, um, yeah, maybe they come out the, a little a little wiser in terms of their knowledge, but but yeah. not not having really accomplished anything. You know, it's sort of the yeah, setup or for, and the situation yeah. hasn't really changed yeah, or yeah, whatever. Yeah. So um, yeah, definitely some interesting sort of meta stuff there going on. But the um, so the frame here we have the Doctor and Donna visiting some planet, mm-hmm. just a random. Don't really know much about it. Seems to have a sort of oriental feel to mm-hmm. it um almost almost like a i was thinking almost of like uh, persephone on firefly yes, yeah no, know, like, I thought like of the too. opening um yeah episode there so you know the um yeah maybe maybe the, the, the serenity crew are just around the corner <laughs> right you you would hope yeah you would hope um and so that, that would be a cool little um that should be a meme someone do that someone like make a drawing of that (laughs) anyway so um so yeah so they're they're kind of going through and they're having fun you know you kind of get little glimpses like trying out these drinks and you know yeah wandering through the bazaar kind of place um and then the whole you know donna getting called by a fortune teller to have her for and and it's interesting because right away you get the idea and i didn't even think about this till literally just as i was talking here you get you get the idea of her changing her mind Mm -hmm. right from that very beginning of she's gonna walk away she's like no no i don't need to you know have my fortune told or whatever that's you know i'm just looking around and and the fortune teller stays on her and says oh no but it's free for you because you're redhead you know and of course, you know, you've been in situations where people, you know, whatever, street vendors or who, whomever will say whatever 
they can to just get you in the door yeah. and then, yeah. you know, try to continue talking to you. And then you, you, you end up paying for something, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's some, somehow you pay. And in this particular case, Donna pays quite a bit. She does, yes. <laughs> um, not monetarily, but you know, psychologically or whatever. Um, so you get this, you know, right from the start, this, this idea of her sort of changing her mind and then, um, you know, she draws her in, but, so if we're talking about the frame, the, the that's that's the front half. The back half then yeah. is when she comes back, and and she's managed not to, I guess I guess sort of to re reverse her decision, right? Because because again, it's not that she didn't that she made the same exact decision because the first time around. Mm. She turns left sort of on her own. Yeah. Like we get the flashback. Right, just in sort of defiance, yeah. Right, of her turning left on her own. And then, you know, the bug or the fortune teller, I'm not entirely sure how that dynamic works, but something convinces her that she needs to change her mind. Yeah. Um, But then when she comes back and has once again turned left, it's not... It it's based on a slightly different decision, right? Right. right. Uh, because she was going to actually turn right, and then it was it was Donna, right? Second Donna, whatever right. you want to call it. Future other Donna. Future Donna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Making making the determination to step out and have herself be killed. Um, in in pete like fashion very pete like and with with her very own rose to stand over and her with as rose she standing <laughs> over her the thing that rose never did get well yeah. eventually wrote she did but initially rose didn't get to do yeah so so yeah some very interesting little differences there and i don't know that that like the imperative seems to make sure that she turns left so that she doesn't go to the meeting with I forget the guy's name. Jovel? Ju- 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 uh, I don't. Even, I don't even remember. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> not Jubal early. <laughs> That's another Firefly reference. Um, That's a whole other no. kind of meeting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The. Uh, but the point being that she doesn't go to meet with him and get that job, but right. that she stays with. Right. Right. Um, she kind of. Clement. She kind of says. Uh, well, that decides it. I'm not sitting in a traffic jam. Almost as if she just said, well, I was thinking about it, but you know what? Fate has decreed that there is a traffic jam, mm-hmm. and I'm going to base my... It's almost like she just flipped a coin and said, since there's traffic that way, I'm going there. Yeah. So you're yeah. right. Like It is less based on defiance and more just on you know, uh, the whim of what was happening that day. and the, the convenience. situation. Yeah. yeah, and she sort of bases yeah. the decision a pretty pretty significant life decision on that so Mm -hmm. um yeah no totally different circumstance but but then you kind of get the idea that um I don't want to say like everything that happened is negated because I think one of the points of the last of the time lords episode is to kind of make clear that even alternative timelines that get rewritten still in some sense happened you know like 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I you know remember Francine saying you know, but I can still remember it. It still happened, you know. So right, I'm not saying like and and the people who were in that room or whatever like would still yeah continue yeah yeah. You if you still have memory of it, there we are back to memory again. If you still have memory of it, it still mm-hmm. is real, you know. So I'm not saying like, well, you know, because this got, you know contradicted or rewritten therefore it didn't matter or something but you do kind of get the idea in the end that her reversing the decision again kind of neutralizes the effect of the the beetle you know that's kind of the implication i get when it just sort of falls off her um it's sort of like what it the antidote that you needed to get rid of this thing was to stop the change from being made which is kind of yeah. what happened, you know, and it sort of doesn't matter how you go about doing that, just so long as you do it somehow. Yeah, and there's, but then there's also the, so right, 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 and you get the memory, and you get Donna sort of losing the faded memory there, yeah. but but she still has enough to be able to sort of tell the doctor a few things, including the two words mm. that the young blonde-haired woman yeah. whose name she doesn't know uh, tells yeah. her, you know, and of course those two words are bad wolf. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, that's interesting because that seems to be, so we've mentioned a couple times already that Rose has appeared, uh, you know, um, Donna spoke to her, mm-hmm. uh, in, in that one episode, right. Yeah. And, and told her where the keys were. And, yes. Right. Yeah. In the and, bin. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> and then we saw her like on the TV screen and was, was there another one that I'm forgetting? Uh, uh, I think those were the main ones. There might've been, but there's the only two I can okay. think of right now. Okay. So, um, we don't know what Rose was there trying to say or, or what she was doing bleeding through. At least we don't yet. Um, at least I don't know, mm. um, because that's like this world, mm. right? That's the frame world. Mm-hmm. That's not Donna's alternate world. So the question becomes, and, and Rose talks about, you know, something happening across sort of all, all worlds. Mm. So the question becomes is, was this sort of an elaborate, you know, thing to be done to get a message to the doctor? Um, ultimately, I don't know because like on the one hand, like I don't feel like the fortune teller would. Right. She seemed legitimately scared at the end. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. like she seemed like her and the whole beetle thing was, was actually a, uh, uh, you, you know, they were, they were parasitic. Yeah. Well, and the, <laughs> the, the idea you do get, I think is that the fortune teller got more than she bargained for. You know, that's kind of what the doctor right, says right. is, you know, oh, these things, they attach and they change your life in little ways and you don't even notice it. You know, it's it it's so mm-hmm. tiny that it, the, he says, like, the universe just compensates around it. But with Donna, because of the size and the ripple effect of the change that it made, it threw everything into a, you know, it changed the course of the whole world, basically. So, universe, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know... uh which you know well and good but then you know you um you know you have enough uh, you know between 
I guess, Donna's strength and with the help of Rose and Unit, you actually get, you know, them defeating the beetle, you know. So, you know, not only was the effect way more powerful than these people might have attended, but then you also actually get her fighting them off, you know. So that's kind of the impression I get is they were not expecting that at all. Um, right. And, and, I, and I won't, like, reveal anything about Rose's motivation or you know, means or anything, but I think sort of the impression that you're given is, or the impression I'm given, is that it just so happens that these things are coinciding at the same time. That, you know, she kind of is dismayed to find that, you know, the doctor's been killed. I came so far, you know, is kind of what she says. Um, yeah. And it's sort of like well, she's, and that was going to be, and she's sort of next... figuring out what's going on with the parallel world as Donna is. So I don't think it's meant to to be that the parallel world is in any way like manipulated, you know, because of what's happening with Rose and everything. Um, I think it's more just seems to be more coincidental that the two these two different plot strands are kind of colliding, I guess. Well, and that was going to be my next uh, suggestion was that was that, it, you know, either, you know, the first that there was some sort of that that it was a result of that mm. or that it was a happy coincidence in a way, not terribly happy, I suppose. But, um, yeah, that Rose uses, you know, the attempts that she has been making to get the doctor's attention mm-hmm. <laughs> or to return to the earth, you know, to our world or whatever, um, you know, seemed to be, you know, something like, you know, she was already trying that. And so when this occurred and perhaps, you know, Donna's, uh, changing of history or whatever, you know, broke down those walls and that's what made it easier for Rose to sort of get back and forth or something. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, we don't get a real explanation. Um, yeah. You know, other than yeah, clearly Rose is able to get from that other world into this. Right, world. and the doctor um, even kind of says like, you know, because uh, before he kind of realizes who she was, he kind of says, you know, that well, you know, it doesn't matter what she said; that world's gone. It doesn't mean anything to us anymore. And Don, and that's when Donna kind of says, "Well, wait a minute. No, she said it was." all worlds that this is something which is relevant to you know every parallel universe not just that one so that kind of mm-hmm. seems to be the impression that you're left with in the end is that the parallel world world is sort of incidental to the rose plot um and that the rose plot is kind of continuing along you know the yeah. stars are going yeah. out everywhere not just in that alternate universe Right. Well, that's right. And that's the difference between sort of the parallel universe and the alternate universe, well, exactly, if that makes yeah. sense. Right. Right. There's the alternate, I guess, timeline would yes, be a better yes, way yes. to phrase that. And and the parallel universe, which is, you know, moving alongside yeah. at the same time as as ours, yeah. um, just in a different space, a different spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. So very interesting. But. 
in the end, regardless of of whether it was cause or coincidence, you do get the fact that Rose is able to get this message yeah. to the doctor. Yeah. That seems like, I mean, granted, maybe she would have liked to talk to him face to face and <laughs> said more words, you know, but it seems like the core of, you know, uh, 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 whatever is going wrong, she's aware of it and, Somehow the doctor is not. And so now she's been able to make that yeah. connection. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you, you kind of had a question too about what might Bad Wolf mean in this context as opposed to earlier context. And, and maybe we can think about that, you know, because I think maybe we could think of different things or I don't know, like exactly kind of off the top of my head. Um, that I have anything real profound to say about that just yet. But um, the one thing which I think is interesting, and I, I read this somewhere, so this isn't my interpretation, but um, someone pointing out that when they run out and everything says Bad Wolf, you know, all of the signs, even the writing on the TARDIS, you know, it doesn't even say police box anymore. It says Bad Wolf. That, you know, that that being someone's interpretation of that was the TARDIS's translation circuits, like the TARDIS is sort of, you know, upon hearing the words bad wolf, freaking out and, and translating everything to, you know, which, cause that never, it never bothered me in the sense that like, I didn't think it was a problem, but it didn't ever really, I didn't ever really consider why does everything say bad wolf other than, well, that's a scary way to end an episode. But, um, but when I read that, it was like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, that whatever it means, these are words of warning, you know, that these are, that's always sort yeah. of what, you know, they're going to signify. So anyway, I just thought that I was a theory worth mentioning. I wasn't even thinking along those lines per se. I was more thinking about what, what could the bad wolf be in this instance? Because, I mean, we know that the bad wolf is Rose with, you know, the essence of TARDIS inside of her. Mm. Rose and the TARDIS are not together. Right. So does it mean the same thing? Can it mean the same thing? Is it a result of that formation, you know, that happened three seasons ago mm-hmm. now, you know, or is it, is it, you know, something else completely, but similar, mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is it an, a, a separate instance you know, along the same lines of there's an alternate universe going on or, or something mm-hmm. um, that was either created by the bad wolf incident or, or, you know, is, is a direct descendant of it somehow. So it's hard, hard to say. I yeah. don't, I mean, I, I could conjecture all night, but I won't. Well, and we don't um, have any data yet. So let's come back to right. that. Um the, but I, I guess I sort of took, I didn't, I don't think I would have framed it in that way of, you know, it was the TARDIS's language circuits or whatever, but yeah, I mean, I and, guess I sort of took I mean, that that's as That's not to as say the, that that's all it means, but I think as an mm-hmm. ending to well, the episode, it kind of helps to make sense Is that of, what you're saying? Um, sorry? I said it's not canon. Is that what it's you're not saying? Canon. Nothing's canon. Um, no, I think like, Obviously, like, Bad Wolf has greater significance than that, but I just mean as the, 
as the the way the episode ends with those words flashing everywhere um sure. that's a that's an explanation that i'm partial to you know is that sort of the tardis's version of danger will robinson repeated over and over exactly well and and bad wolf is rose and the tardis combined so it kind of makes sense that the episode ends with both of them separately saying bad wolf you know sort of yeah so they're in sync even when they're not together and in a uh yeah in a sort of warning or um uh uh oh what's the word i'm portentous perhaps you know like yeah so there is kind of a unity between the two even when they're not physically in the same place i guess um yeah so, all good. yeah, except that the TARDIS, it happens with. Well, I guess we're not entirely sure. Mm. I was gonna say the TARDIS doesn't sort of react, and all the words around the Doctor don't sort of become bad wolf until until uh, you know Donna says the words and the Doctor looks around. But I guess that could also be sort of a like. You know, like suddenly it's more along the lines of did it change in that moment when Donna said bad wolf or does it or has it been is has it just it that now like we that? notice yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. yeah, like like is it yeah, is this like a Kaiser Soze sort of right. thing where like suddenly you're right. noticing the bulletin board yeah. and seeing all of yeah. the, you know, different yeah things going on. No, and that um, could be. And and I mean, you'll also notice the 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 kind of violent red color that it turns and the cloister bell ringing and everything too. So, you know, Mm. always, always not a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did not pick up on the cloister bell, but you're right. Mm. It was there. Like I remember hearing it. Yeah. I just, it wasn't, it didn't click a, a, yeah, it wasn't a, a, an active presence in my mind, I guess. Mm. Um, so wow, we we talked about the little frame and and the bad wolf and all that a little longer than I expected. But we did. That's good. I think I think it's a good setup because I real I honestly have no idea. I mean, I sort of gave a guess, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I would never throw like any weight behind it, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because I'm I don't I really don't have any clue what's gonna happen next. All right. And I want to finish talking about it so I can find Go that out. Watch it. Okay. Um, but I mean, so given that this episode is so much about mm. Donna. We should probably talk about her maybe a little bit. Yeah, just a first. little. Um and I guess we already sort of talked a little bit, you know, sort of about the that initial decision mm-hmm. and the re the revisiting and then the re-revisiting yeah. <laughs> of it. Um you, you know, and that's that's all fine and good. So of course, well, I don't want to talk about her mother yet, but a, a lot of what Donna do does is in response, is in reaction, reaction yeah, sure, uh, to her mother. Right, both both her good decisions and her bad decisions seem to be very um, much in reaction to and that. I I couldn't help but notice that you know when she makes the decision to follow her mother's wishes and turn right. That Sylvia has quite the smug look. She on does. Her I noticed that this time too. Yeah. You know, very, very much. Yeah. Uh, yes. Finally, you listen <laughs> yeah. to me. Um, but of course, that's that's contrasted with throughout the rest of the episode, where she's constantly giving Donna a hard time, and she's miserable. I mean, she's yeah. just a bad mother. Yeah. But like, 
you know, all these these little moments of like, like what's the one where Donna is like saying, um, you know, oh, you were right. I should have, yeah. you know, gone back to school or whatever. And, you know, just basically her mother's like, yeah, you, yeah. you suck. Yeah. She says like, <laughs> I don't I, remember I, the exact word. She says I'm, you know, something like I've always been a disappointment and she could just oh, and, right. and like, well, and it's like, what's painful is, it's Donna saying all these things like kind of kind of like doing implying what she later says outright to Wilf, which is she's saying, I'm just useless on all these things. And then he ignores her and she's like, you're supposed to say, no, you're not. And you kind of get right, the idea right. that with her mom, her mom is supposed to say, no, you're not like she's saying, like, I, ca- I can't find a job. I'm not qualified. I should have worked harder at school. You know, it's my fault. I'm yeah, a disappointment. And her mom is just silent. And then finally, when she, you know, does say, I'm a disappointment, that's when she agrees with her, you know? Mm -hmm. And you just, like, oh, yeah, it's it's painful. Um, Yeah, so... Yeah. For all her her smugness, you do at least get to say, Sylvia, this is kind of all your fault if you hadn't convinced her to... Right. Well, and that's the thing is it, it comes down to her mother badgering her to get a slightly better yeah, job. Like, yeah. you know, we're not talking like, you know, you could be a temp secretary or like an executive right, at a bank, yeah. you know, or something like we're talking about like a temp secretary or a secretary that or you a know, full-time secretary. Works yeah, yeah, yeah. Full-time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, and not that, and that's no, and and hey, secretaries a fine profession, and temps are great, and that's fine too. Like, but that's the thing; it's like, it's like you're talking about a matter of like slight degrees here, and and really like what she would be getting paid, yeah. prestige, whatever you want to well, look at. Well, and like and the stable job is with kind of a small, you know, like a very not exciting. What the reason Donna wants to go? I mean, Sylvia kind of says the reason you want this other job is you think you'll find a man, which has lots of resonance in an unintended way with the doctor. You know, it's not quite what she means by it, but well, and um, she actually finds Lance there. too. Well, exactly. But you know, but you also, it's not just about, I want to find, you know, I'm not just shopping for a rich husband. It's, you know, she says it's nice. It's in the city, you know, that there's maybe it's a, a, a more risky situation, but maybe it's something which has more opportunity in the long run. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's a more interesting, you know, potentially more profitable place to work in the long run. You know, that Donna might have other things in mind just besides, you know, uh, what Sylvia has on her mind. So, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, whereas Sylvia seems to be more about, the stability don't go out your comfort zone stay with what's easy and comfortable and safe you know yeah yeah um so mixed and well okay so she she makes the decision to go right this time and we see where that road leads her Mm. literally and figuratively um and so (laughs) i you know i mean horrible things happen yeah but you can't help but like sort of laugh at like the the different uh turns of events like all of these different things so you get the rachnos right in the ship um yeah 
the the whole the doctor does end up killing it so that's good and and they defeat it but that's when the doctor dies right and then you get um after that you get the disappearance of the of the um the hospital yeah and you find out that martha dies right <laughs> uh and also sarah jane and also sarah, sarah jane. jane smith uh stops the mri thing which is you know again a potential destruction for all of Mm-hmm. London, perhaps, or you know, even more. Mm-hmm. Um, then you get uh, you get the Titanic, right? And that crashes into London. And of course, right. luckily, Donna and family were out of London because she won this raffle. Mm-hmm. Which you have to wonder, how did she win that? Right. Um, if if there was any, I mean, Rose knows about it. So again. Does that mean she had a hand in it or she just was able to use it to her advantage and help Donna out? We don't, I don't know. know. I don't think we ever get an answer to that particular question. But yeah, I, and, that's that, worth, and I don't think we need to. No, but it's certainly you can't help but wonder, I think. Right. I mean, the suggestion is is there, um, but there's there's no definitive, um, you know, answer. So they end up getting relocated to Leeds Mm -hmm. and then you get the adipose, which is, uh, you know, the event where Donna would have reunited with the doctor, but of course he's not there. So, right. Um, I love that they switch over to America America, yeah, (laughs) and all us fatties here in America get dissolved. Um, yeah, yeah. Which, you know, I mean, is probably fair criticism, uh, (laughs) or fair, uh, maybe not criticism, but, uh, you know, extrapolation or whatever yeah yeah um yeah and that and that our solution to the britain having an economic uh you know meltdown is to just send financial aid and it doesn't even get there (laughs) yeah no no um so yeah so then so then yeah you, you you get this escalating series of events where it's just more and more people being put in jeopardy and dying. But then of course you have all of the sort of ancillary stuff mm-hmm. around that, like with, um, you know, the, the family that they're living with, they're getting sent off to yeah. labor camps. Right. And, and that whole scene with Wilf, you know, it's happening again. And yeah, I'm surprised Donna wouldn't know what he's referring to like that. Yeah. No, didn't she's quite, quite seem... naive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and maybe that's pushing it a little bit. I do think one of the things that we get in this episode, too, is kind of a return to, and not to say she's completely without, like, redeeming qualities or anything, but you get a little bit of a return to the Donna that we first met in The Runaway Bride. You kind of get, you know, she regresses a little bit, you know, back mm. to, you know, being you know remember her in that episode well and she never went through that whole experience well exactly so you know remember how um you know ditzy and kind of shallow and unaware she was oblivious about right she didn't even like christmas or yeah and she thought like whatever what happened with the sycorax and everything these are just hoaxes because she's Mm. going through life 
not paying attention. You know, she's asleep or hungover or not, not, you know, you know, so I think you kind of get a little bit of that again, where she, you know, the hospital thing is just a hoax and the, um, right. She's like packing up her desk. Yeah. She's totally like absorbed in her window. own. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, isn't that wizard? The hospital's back. Um, and, so, yeah, like, you kind of get her, I mean, and she's funny, you know, she's still lovable Donna, but it, she is back to that kind of self-absorbed and, you know, I think unaware kind of person that she seemed to be before, you know, she met the doctor or maybe before we really got to know her. Um, and I don't think she's, it's not like night and day, it's like, she's not a completely different person, but I think it's a you can kind of see the difference there of how she is now versus maybe how she used to be. Um, Hmm. And so, you know, maybe it's a stretch to push that towards, you know, being completely unaware of European history as well. But like, I feel like that goes along with that. Like it's supposed to be um, that Donna is kind of naive about things, you know, (laughs) the world and, not that she's never heard of, um, yeah, not that she's night. never heard of, you know, these things before, but that it doesn't seem to be in her understanding that this could be what's happening now. Yeah. You know, like, it, it, she sort of seems to take it at face value what he says that like, well, they're just going to move us over here and we're going to do this work and, you know, and, and she's kind of not thinking about it too much. And it's not until Wilf prompts her to say, maybe he's being a little bit um, gentle with the language, you know, labor camps. That's what they called them last time, you know, Um, that it kind of takes him nudging for her to kind of realize what that means and what's going on. Um, So, you know, whether that stretches plausibility a little bit, um, maybe, but I think that's kind of what it's getting at is that Donna is a little bit in her own world and is kind of, we're seeing her come, like having her understanding expanded in a different way since it really wasn't expanded via the doctor. It's getting expanded via, you know, the crumbling of Britain, I guess. Yeah. And the world and everything. Yeah. 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 Um, right. Cause yeah, I mean, you get hints, you know, I mean, again, you get the Americans who turn into fat, but, mm. um, you get hints about the other countries too, like, yeah. you know, France closing its borders. And, right. Right. And, and right. Well, things. and the Atmos and, and is out the, there too. Right, the and Atmos. It's destroying Asia and everything. And yeah. 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 Um, so sort of among all this, and it's a hard episode to talk about in a way because there is sort of these complex timelines that are running through it. So you sort of have like yeah. the running of Donna's life, but then you, of course, have like all of these events that we've seen, you know, yeah. in a different timeline. Right, happening. right, right. And sort so of you like a recap sort of, of the story so far, you know. <laughs> and And then, right. And then you have Rose sort of getting interjected here and there mm-hmm. into each of the events as well. Um, yeah. And, and so we already sort of talked a little bit about Rose, but like the, you know, where she and, and Donna meet 
um, for the first time, or technically the second time, because as we mentioned, she did tell her about the keys mm-hmm. before. Yeah. Um, although it's not quite clear how much Rose was actually in this world at that point or not. Yeah. Because she just kind of turns around and then fades away. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like... Yeah, anyway. So... So you get the first meeting, and it's Rose running full speed to find out what happened to the doctor. Yeah. Um. And and like you you said before, she, you know, oh, we we I came so far. Um. Which is interesting. Like, not sure how to take that. Like, obviously, she came from some other dimension, but like, what did that actually take to get her there? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been it's been two seasons, mm-hmm. three seasons, two seasons mm, since we yeah. saw Rose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two, two seasons. seasons. Yeah. Sorry, two sorry, more. I was getting. I said three seasons before, but that was the bad wolf thing. The two seasons since we've seen her, so we don't know. And of course, it's in a different universe. Time could flow differently. You know, yeah. we don't know how many months or days or years or whatever she's been right trying to get back or what that entailed. Um, and so I guess just the, the meeting there, but it's interesting that like, like I wasn't sure at first, like if she recognized Donna right away, but I guess she, it seems like she didn't. Right. Um, until Donna said who she was. Mm -hmm. And then, then again, it's like, you know, again, is this not so happy coincidence or, you know, what's, what's going on. Right. Um, right. So I don't, I mean, so then you get that, then you get their little exchange there and it's sort of innocuous. It's, you know, Donna, not really understanding the importance of who the doctor was or anything, because of course she never met him. This was when she was supposed to have met him. Right. Right. Um, or, or just before now, cause she was supposed to have stopped him from yeah. getting killed. Not supposed to, but you know what I mean? Like she did. Yes. She yeah. she did stop him. You you know, she was the one who literally went up and said, Stop, don't you think this is enough? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 after that was the one who prompted him to find someone else. Right. Uh you know, she didn't go with him uh with the Christmas episode there with, with the Rachnos and but she did say, you know, as we've mentioned before, you know, she did say, I think you need someone mm-hmm. to help sort of keep you in check, you know, to help stop you when yeah. you get a little overboard. Yeah. For a variety of different reasons, it seems. Um, and, but Rose knows who she is. And so that's the interesting part. Which, sorry, which part? Rose. Yes. Seems to know who Donna is. Right. Right. So now we've got a second companion. Upon the second meeting. Upon the second meeting, she seems to know who she is. I don't know that she does on the first one. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> I read that a little differently. Okay. I read that to, that she seemed to know who she was. But maybe I misread that. Because she asks Donna what her name is. Mm-hmm. Um, and Donna tells her. So I read it. Because I think there's a couple... I think this gets back to the fact of the 
alternate timeline story and the Rose story sort of, in a way, not having, um, you know, I don't want to say they have nothing to do with each other, but, like, I keep coming back to this idea that they're colliding with each other, and they just sort of mm. happen to collide at this time. Because I read it as Rose doesn't know who Donna is, but notices her because, you know, A, she's there, and B, she's noticing this thing on Donna's back, that she can sense this, you know, that there's something, you know, she can, as a time traveler or something, she can sense something off about Donna. Um, and then it seems like on the second time she comes back, she does so purposely and to meet Donna and knows who she is and tells her to get out of town and kind of seems to do so with more information and more like she has a purpose. And then um, if you jump to the end of the episode when they're talking about Donna's, I guess, importance and purpose and everything, Rose tells her that she's the most important person. And, you know, Donna kind of, you know, is upset when she thinks, well, that's only because you know, of the thing on my back. It's, I'm only important because this, it, I'm a host for this parasite. It's the bug which is important. It's the one that's changing everything. And that's not really me. It's just, I happen to be the vessel that's carrying that. And Rose says, no, we've, we're getting separate readings and they have to do with you and not the bug. So, it seems to me that there's two separate things going on. There's the, why is Donna important? Is it because she's the pivot point around which this alternate timeline turns? Or is, I think as Rose kind of suggests, is it more than that? You know, she says, I thought it was just the doctor, but it wasn't. It's the two of you. And, you know, the... For some reason, all signs seem to be pointing to Donna, but she didn't seem to realize that at first. I think that's something that she realizes as she goes on. That's my reading, and maybe that's based on we need to maybe finish the season before we can really comment yeah, too I, much further. But it, so, and I, I will be the first to admit that I, I may have misread it. It seemed to me like in that first meeting that that Rose seemed to uh in a similar way that River Song did mm. said oh you're Donna Nope mm. you know like she knew something about her and wouldn't give her name mm -hmm. I think um, later on that's true I don't know that I agree about that very first meeting on the street but I think once she comes back the second time I'm definitely with you that she has knowledge um and she comes back armed with certain knowledge of things that she's not going to speak about. That's, you know. And, and, and then there's also not in the first meeting, this is later, mm -hmm. you know, when, uh, you know, around the same time as they're having a conversation about Donna being important and whatever. And, and Rose says, you know, he thought the doctor thought you mm -hmm. were brilliant. Um, and, and, so at some point, anyway, mm. Rose knows what the doctor thinks about Donna. Right. Separate from what Donna thinks. 
um, at least at this point, um, what Donna thinks. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's I, a good I point. mean, like I said, I, I could definitely have misread the first one. It seemed to me more like she, it seemed to me like she knew who Donna was. Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Okay. I'll, I'll, well, keep my, I'll keep, I'll keep, I'll keep it open for uh, consideration. Maybe we'll, and maybe we'll come back to it at some point. Um, okay. Well, maybe yeah. we will, if you're saying we might. <laughs> um, okay. So, so we get, we get all of these bits from Rose and we, it, and it, of course, Rose never says her name, never reveals who she is, even to, um, we, I mean, we don't know if she says, reveals her name to anyone, certainly it seems not to the people in unit. Right. Although Rose also seems to have connection with the Torchwood people with Jack, Gwen. Right. Um, uh, I forget the other guy's name. She mentions Ian. Is it? Oh, y- and Yanto and Gwen. Yanto. Yeah. Yanto. That's right. Uh, and, uh, so she, I mean, obviously Jack knows who she is. Yeah. So there are people sort of in this fight in the broader sense mm-hmm. who know who she is and whatever. But but it seems like at least anyone who um, is connected with Donna mm-hmm. or who is maybe didn't know who she was, you know, already. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, Jack knows who she is, but there's no there's no we don't know if anyone else on Jack's team knows who she is. Or right. Anything. So so she's trying to keep a low profile of sorts yeah um well and and it's one of a few things which are more than a little doctorish wouldn't you say that uh sure she won't tell her name she tells unit not to salute um she does the little techno babble bits of science and uh the you know unit lady says she talks like that a lot, you know. Right. So it's like well, and she kind of gets herself Rose as the stand-in for the doctor in this, you know, that she's sort of, which is funny because we always talked about when Rose was around how, you know, she started to sort of imitate the doctor over time. So now you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the realization of that, I guess. Right, and there's also the moment where she even says herself, you know, she kind of laughs and says, "Oh, that's something he would say." Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't even know so, what yeah. it means. It's just the kind of thing that he would say. And, and there's her, she seems to be moving herself through time somehow or space mm. or both. Um, not quite sure. Like she just appears, right? you know what I mean? Like in a couple instances, it's not, or disappears or whatever. Like there's no, there's no TARDIS, but there's something, you know, right. Um, and there's no devices like they wore, um, you know, like Pete and them were wearing to sort right. of jump back right. and forth between the different dimensions. So, yeah, not real clear how that works, but, you know, she seems to be doing it somehow. Yeah. Um, so in a sense is, you know, sort of imitating again that that Time Lord aspect. Mm-hmm. Um. And also the willingness to sort of experiment 
and and you know donna says how do you know it's gonna work <laughs> hmm. we don't <laughs> oh, oh yeah we, we we don't know we're we're just guessing <laughs> uh yeah so you know sort of okay with whatever happens it'll be interesting yeah, yeah. you know that sort of idea um fortunately for donna it works and for everyone else apparently um since it's all resting sort of on her yes um so, you know, nice to sort of see Rose, but I don't know, like it's, it's a different Rose, right? It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's a little surreal because it's, she's not the same Rose no. and, and you're not quite sure how much of this is her or is she faking it or is it a little of both or, you know, has she really sort of changed um, in these ways? Yeah. We don't know. Or, and in what ways? We're not real real clear specifically yeah no i think that's definitely true i mean there's just like by virtue of you kind of it feels weird to have the character back after that much time but then definitely in actual you know tangible ways i think she has yeah. definitely kind of like i mean less so but sort of like a exaggerated version of even how Mickey seemed after we saw him for a couple episodes, yeah. you know, and, yeah. and for him, it was supposed to have been a couple of years later and everything. So this is like a more extreme version of that. I think of mm. it's the same, but different, you know, it's right. And again, we still don't know how long, how long it is it's or been. how long, yeah. how long between each time Donna sees her. Right. It is. Yeah. Um, because, you know, some of the jumps in what we see of Donna's own life are a year from Christmas to Christmas yeah. or, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not necessarily real clear what, uh, yeah. you know, what, what Rose is thinking or what Rose, is, how Rose is changing and what, what the different stuff is there or what she's thinking, <laughs> what I was going to say originally. Yeah. So, um, so, okay, so we have like sort of, the Donna going through her career or lack thereof. <laughs> um, we've got the Rose interventions. We've got the big event, you know, timeline that we're sort of um, comparing against what quote really happened mm -hmm. unquote. Um, I guess then, well, I guess sort of, tying it all together then is sort of the end is her death right is um that thing that will put all of the big moments back the way they were supposed to go and will put uh you know sort of i guess re-imprison rose in her hmm. dimension where she is and will uh return donna to sort of her hmm. uh original chosen but not quite the original it's like it's like your original path plus yeah, you know yeah, 2.0 yeah. um <laughs> there's some there's some upgrades i don't know if i'd call them improvements yeah um we don't know yet we just don't have enough data but the the donna deciding or knowing that she has to die mm. and you know and and there's always that you know, oh, you get these sort of prophetic, you know, ideas and, and how is it all going to work out and whatever. But but this seems pretty straightforward. Like, this doesn't seem like a, 
Macbeth sort of, mm. or, or um, not Macbeth. Uh, I'm blanking. Sorry. Anyway, it's not like a, it's not like, you know, a prophecy where, where it's, it's not exactly unclear. It's Rose saying, sure. you're going to die. <laughs> and then Donna getting to that point and saying, yeah, I kind of have to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But even in that, like you get that moment of as she's getting sent back, she's thinking, oh, well, I might die, but that's OK, because like I'll really still be alive and stuff. Right. And then you get Rose with that last. I'm so sorry. Yeah. Or I'm sorry or whatever it is. She 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 repeats sort of. Right. The doctor. She thing. gives the yeah, doctor's yeah. refrain, you know, a couple times there. But. um but you get that. So that coupled again with River saying pretty much the same thing, mm. River Song, and, you know, saying she's so sorry. And Donna having noticed with her. Yeah. You know, wait a minute. Yeah. How come like where there's a future the for the future? doctor? Yeah. But where, yeah, yeah. Why, why isn't there a future with me? How come you don't know me if you know the doctor kind right. of thing? And... And now these hints sort of here, mm. something bad is going to happen to Donna. That's what it seems like is pointing at and not just, Oh, she gets hit by a truck. Right. And, and I think the that's the, line. that's the thing is there's because you could just, uh, you know, you could just take it as, well, you know, it's not just you're going to blink out of existence. You do actually have, like, because Donna doesn't just change her mind and the world changes. She does have to step in front of the car. She, she has does to go have through to, with it. Right. She has to sacrifice herself. It doesn't do change it. until she actually right. dies. Like, when she's right. still alive and um, in pain, lying on the ground, she is still in existence. Exactly. <laughs> um, or it doesn't change until she turns the car. But, but she has to go again, through that, with it in yeah. order to make that happen. So there's that level of, so there's like multiple levels of dying going on. You know, there's, there's being hit by the car. There's the world changing and dying away and going back to its old form. But then you right, also Right, sort of that get, incarnation of her, yeah, quote, dies. Um, but. but then you also do have these hints in the, you know, I guess, primary timeline of potential other significance that it might have. Cause I think once you do put that together with rivers, you know, the fact that she's not, you know, in at some point in the future doesn't seem to be with the and doctor anymore, you know, it's so it, yeah. And it's not just like river, the, the way that she presents it. And again, they're sort of vague. Yeah. Hints. yeah they're not, course. it's not clear by any means, no spoilers, of course. But the way she presents it is that there's something horrible. Yeah. You know, like, it's not just that. Oh, oh yeah, I never I met you. You, you yeah, used yeah. to tr travel with the doctor, but, you know, yeah. that was way before my time. It's, oh, you're Donna. Yeah. You're Donna You're Donna Noble. Noble. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, if anything, Rose, in addition to sort of all the other stuff she does, Rose does, in a way act as an anchor to the primary timeline, like you yeah. described it because, because she is, she's sort of the, the quantum leaper, right? She's yeah. the one sort of going between 
all of the different ones, but but it's almost like she's the one staying in place and everything sort of spinning around her. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah, like she's the one who has knowledge of of what quote really happens, and she's so I think that 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 seems to imply to me that. When she says that, I'm sorry. Like, one, it seems to be negating Donna's very hopeful. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, oh, I, I get it now. I see what you're saying. I'll, I'm going to die, but I'm not really going to be dead. Yeah. It's not and, just me. The whole world's going to change, you know. And, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I'll still be there. It'll just be a different me. A better world. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All of them better worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry, I can't stop quoting Firefly tonight. Apparently. <laughs> um the so yeah so when rose sort of gives that i'm so sorry again you just like again there seems to be and she seems to be bringing an outside knowledge you know to that moment not yeah. not uh not you know, just again, oh you're gonna have to jump in front of a car you know right, yeah like right. it it could mean that but it also seems that it could mean a lot more than that yeah so, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know. That sucks if that's the case. But I mean, well, that that is the direction that the signs seem to be pointing as of now, as far as I can tell. So, um, who knows? Maybe we'll zag east when we yeah. should zag <laughs> west, and um, maybe I'm completely wrong. I'm just saying that 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 seems to be. Yeah. The case. Well, and I guess there's a few other um, kind of hints around Donna because there's also, in addition to these sort of ominous things, there's also these hints as to her continued importance and power and everything. Like, again, like Rose says, she's not just important as the host. She's also seemingly important independently of that, that they've had these readings since she was born. Um, And... Uh, which kind of implies that somebody's been monitoring her. Yeah, I was going to say that, that's kind of a creepy, um, you know, like yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, you know, Big Brother. Yeah, yeah, thing and going um, on there. and then you know, again, like I said, the references to it's both of you, the Doctor and Donna, together to stop the stars from going out. Um, yeah, and uh, the Doctor even kind of speculates at the end about all of the various coincidences of their mm-hmm. meeting that. You know, they had an adventure, which, fine, you know, he does that all the time, and she didn't go with him. That happens all the time, too. And then he met her grandfather, and then he bumped into her again. I mean, now she was looking for him, but, you know, I have a feeling a bunch of people look for the doctor and don't necessarily find him again. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, he kind of says, like, there's a higher-than-normal level of coincidence in his relationships to the nobles um Mm. he says it seems like something's binding us together so um and then of course the fortune teller running away in fear you know what are you what will you be so you know a lot of hints some of which seem very bad and ominous some of them ominous in a more i guess awful kind of way in the sense of like inspiring awe like like 
Ah. Terrible, you know. I was gonna, not... say, I was gonna say some of them are really bad. The others are awful. Yeah, some of them That's are awful. No, no, I mean I, like I like, know what you mean. Awe-inspiring, kind of. Right. You know that. Right. I think what's being stressed is you know that. You know, she keeps asking Rose, "What can she do?" You know that it seems like, "What is she gonna do?" There's some big thing which she's connected with that we don't know about yet. Yeah. Um, well, so I guess we will find out soon. We might. <laughs> I, or or we, or we won't. won't. I don't know. Or I mean... or it just fizzles into nothing. And <laughs> there you yeah. go. Um, well, I want to say a couple quick things too about um, some foreshadowing and callbacks to this episode too, um, because. Uh, it's one of those things you don't notice until you've watched it a couple times. But way back in the fires of Pompeii, um, mm-hmm. you know, the the more obvious prophecy was uh, the soothsayer saying, Doctor, she is returning. And we kind of guessed that that was Rose, and it mm. seems that that is validated at this point. Um, sure. But the other one, which is fantastic, is then he turns to Donna and says, And you, daughter of London, there's something on your back. So ah. I really like that they laid that in, you know, in Pompeii at the beginning of the episode. It kind of, yeah, you know, which hmm. is sort of a creepy sentence on its own, but even creepier when you <laughs> kind of have it in context. Sure, sure. So. Very cool. Uh, wow. Oh, and you also mentioned earlier the continued references to the bees. The bees are disappearing. So, oh, yes, yes. Um, we've had them in several episodes now, so keep an eye on the bees, because... Yeah, that's weird. They're going to get mentioned again. Okay. Um, and more than just in reference to Agatha Christie and More than just in reference to the wasp. Yeah. No, the fact of the bees disappearing. Bees disappearing. Yeah, the bees are disappearing. Um, well, now the stars are disappearing, it seems. The The, the stars are disappearing, so... That's an interesting motif. Maybe one has to do something to do with the other. Yeah. Well, um, perhaps, perhaps we'll keep an eye out then. And my last little notes, unless you have anything else, um, is that a uh, couple uh, production things that this was another Hugo nominee. Um, I think I mentioned that Dr. Horrible ran away with it this year, so was not successful. Um, but it uh, was voted number 12 on the Mighty 200 poll, so this is a big fan favorite. Um, and mm-hmm. Catherine Tate won a Constellation Award um, for this episode as well. So highly regarded overall uh, in the Who universe, I think. In the who universe. In the who universe. Very cool. All right. Well... I suppose we should probably move on to Buffy, which is another episode that deals with choices. Mm-hmm. Quite literally. Yeah. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> yeah. Another another instance of thematic overlap, which is kind of funny. <laughs> you could yeah. kind of call turn left choices in a way, couldn't you? Yeah. Well, it, I mean, that's pretty much it's go back and make a different choice make than different the one decisions. you did. Yeah. Um, so. But. Uh, we don't have these guys making different choices so much as dealing with 
well, it's not consequences because we've dealt with consequences. It's more <laughs> uh, continued choices based on choices they've already made. It's more like they've set themselves on certain paths and have to not only deal with consequences, but have to continue to make choices based on circumstances that they've already sort of found themselves in. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, and we get, we get a couple of, and I don't want to necessarily jump ahead to any particular character, but I'll just point out, I mean, we get a couple of moments of those decisions, right? We get in particular, we get like Willow saying to um, Faith, it didn't have to be this way. Right. And we yeah. get, um, you know, implying you could have made a different choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, we get we get where everyone's arguing about whether or not to trade the box for Willow, and you get Oz sort of settling that discussion, yeah, yeah. you know, by destroying yeah. the thing. Like he's he kind of takes the choice out of everyone else's hand, mm. kind of thing. So it, yeah, I mean, obviously, any given day, you know, any given episode, any given whatever, there's going to be choices made. But yeah, there's some, seems to be like some, some key discussions about choices and, and how that plays Yeah, out. and even yeah. kind of uh, choices, but also like lack of choices. Like you said, like, you know, Oz's choice is to take the choice away from everybody else, you know, or, mm-hmm. or faith. Make, has limited yeah. choices because she already made her choices and stuck herself in this situation. And now it's too mm-hmm. late to make good choices that those good right. choices are sort of no longer available. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it's kind of moral dilemmas about, you know, do you have any choice now that you've already sort of, made all your decisions earlier on and now you've sort of stuck yourself somewhere yeah Um, you're sort of winnowing down what you can do so um you know so with buffy uh you know you get kind of joyce calling out the title i'm so pleased you have so many choices you know about all Mm -hmm. of her you know school options um and it seems that buffy has some opportunities for some very good you know schooling that would involve leaving Sunnydale. So that's kind of a big choice ahead of her. Um, and, you know, which is sort of what kickstarts the whole plot because the whole idea of this episode being we're tired of waiting around for, you know, wait, why should we wait, you know, a hundred yeah. days for the Ascension? Why should we wait? Especially to find Buffy out? being yeah. the one. Yeah. 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 Um, it really is what, facilitates everything with them saying let's take you know the fight to him um which has some not disastrous consequences but nearly disastrous consequences um and in the end seems to confirm for buffy uh this lack of choice or at least her own decision to abdicate her own choice you know that she could leave but you know, there's always going to be something, you know, even if she stops Faith, even if she stops the mayor, even if she stops the Ascension, this is a pretty endless, you know, it's not like anything really changes at that point, you know, and that's not to say that it's not 
that it's fruitless or that it's a no fruit for Buffy or that it's a not a not a goal worth pursuing but you know that you know when and if the mayor gets stopped there's going to be another big bad right behind him yeah. um yeah what's happened all along exactly it's, there's one one comes to fill the void yep so you yep. know so in the end you know not bitterly but in kind of a resigned way she says i'm never getting out of here no other choice um so you know but you know willow's point kind of being you don't have to stay that you choosing to stay you saying i'm giving up the choice of where else i'd like to go is a choice and mm -hmm. it's a good choice you know that there's you know Right. And it's, and, and it's Willow, Willow sort of the foil there, right? Cause she's, yeah. she does have so many choices and there's nothing literally holding her here, but she's pointing that out explicitly to say, yeah, this is my choice to stay here and not just to stay here because I have a boyfriend and friends and whatever here, but for the purpose of exactly the sort of thing that you're doing. for the exact it's, same I reason wanna, yeah. i want i want to fight you know i want to be on the good team you know i want to learn how to be a better wicca and and this is a good place to do that <laughs> and so um it doesn't become a sort of a de facto well i don't have any other options it's this is actually the option that i want yeah um yeah, and, and, that, like, and that it's a, and, it's a sacrifice because of all the other choices which she is giving up, all the options yeah. which she does have, you know, and Buffy has those too. And I like that you pointed out sort of the, the quirk of language there with the word choice because we do use choice to mean both options and decision. Mm. Um, you, you know, it's 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 another it's it's like one of, it's like doom, right? You know, it, it kind of yeah. has that dual meaning that can almost mean sort of the opposite or, or yeah. two sort of different things. Um, because by making a decision, you absolutely uh, diminish what other choices, what other options you have. Yeah. Um, you know, just by virtue of that fact. So very, very interesting. And we get that again, yeah. you know, referring to Willow uh, and her great little stand up to faith. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, her face like, oh, okay, you're going to tell me it's not too late to change and blah, blah, blah. Well, it's like, no, it, it's totally too late. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah. Like, this is, of course it's too late. You made your choice. Yeah. There's nothing you can do at this point. It didn't have to be this way, but it is this way because of the choice that you made. Um, Yeah, yeah. We had this conversation 10 episodes ago or whatever, you know, right. and... and yeah. That was the choice, and you blew it, basically, you know right um right, and it's and right, and it's not even like you just had it with me, you had it with angel, you had it with Buffy, yeah. you had it with Giles, you had it with Wesley, well, maybe not Wesley, but you know uh Xander, you know, like there's yeah. you know you had it over and over again, and you repeated repeatedly decided that this is what you want, yeah, um. Sorry, kind of, I keep drawing us away from, from Buffy. Uh, no, but I think, like, <laughs> that is the theme, you know? And, and all the yeah. all the main characters are kind of... I think that is kind of the dualistic idea in this episode, is both what choices do you have and, and 
what choices have you kind of taken away from yourself by virtue of the choices you've already made in the past, you know? Um, right. And, and that that's not necessarily a bad thing to remove choices. It, right. it does make life simpler to not have as many choices. Um, and sometimes that can be a, a good thing to not sort of be, um, you know, uh, stunned by your options, yeah, you know, yeah. sort of in, in a holding pattern because you don't know which one to choose, which is, which is sort of Oz's very, yeah. um, un, unmentioned point. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, his no. little object lesson. Yeah. Oz makes without words, his point very clear, you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, which is great. Um, I guess the other um, thing which is really important to talk about uh, with Buffy, too, and, and Angel, and I, and I wonder, you know, this didn't explicitly have to do with the theme of choices, but, you know, you wonder what it might have to do with it down the road, is, uh, you know, what's being hinted at and alluded to in terms of what future they yeah. do or don't have together. Um, you know, she's <laughs> in the beginning, she's kind of talking about it as, you know, we're, we're in a rut. You never take me anywhere new. Um, and <laughs> right. this is, this is our future. This is how we're going to spend our nights when I'm 50 and you're the same age as you are now. And he says, you know, let's just get you to 50 as if, uh, don't worry about that right now. You know, that, that right. choice may come later. Um, but, you know, you know, for right now, uh, we're not really going to think about it. Um, and then again, in the end, a very unpointed, non-spoken, you know, consideration in the end. When, you know, after uh, the mayor's had his little, you know, cruel tangent, um, you know, I, and I like that there, he kind of even mentioned that... Um, uh, I don't see a lot of Sunday picnics and I like that they're kind of picnicking in the graveyard at the end. Like, like yeah, this is right. them trying to picnic. They're on a picnic blanket in the graveyard right, in the middle right. of the night. In the middle of the yeah, night. Yeah. yeah. It's not exactly Back a, against the gravestone. It's not exactly yeah. a Sunday picnic. Um, but, uh, you know, and <laughs> them kind of pointedly not talking about what the mayor said. Um, Mm -hmm. so and sort of mocking him what does he know yeah big his longest relationship is with evil yeah big stupid <laughs> evil guy so yeah. yeah yeah and then and then we'll just we'll be okay yeah we'll be okay and then they kind of stare off into the middle distance and don't really say anything yeah. after that so yeah. maybe yeah there's other sort of a lingering choices shot which are lingering end, yeah <laughs> yeah um well, and it's it's interesting here because now this is the second sort of notable um, bout of couples advice that they get from an enemy, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you got you got Spike before, yeah, yeah, when they were like trying to be friends. Oh, we're just friends. Yeah. No, you're not. You'll never be friends. Yeah, yeah. Are, are you nuts? Um, and now you've got the the mayor saying. You'll never be lovers, right. not in a true sense, not in, in the sense that, you know, maybe you both sort of wish you could. Be. Right. Not in and 
not in the fullest sense, you know, in some ways maybe, but not in the ways which you're going to need if this is going to be satisfying if in it's the long last. run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And and it can't even really truly be satisfying, he points out, because of Angel's condition. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like if it ever gets to that point, it'll right. immediately turn right. bad again. Not neither not only can it not change you know because angel will remain unchanging buffy will change around him and angel will mm -hmm. stay the same but it can't even grow you know in intimacy it can only stay exactly as it is you know yeah yeah and and so you know i think just sort of thinking on that you know again they've tried the let's just be friends thing and as Spike was right. I mean, they couldn't just be friends mm -hmm. and they're not anymore just friends. Yeah. They're not full on lovers per se, but they're certainly more than just friends. And, and, you know, you get that Spike was saying that out of sort of his own experience. And as much as they might hate to take advice from Spike, he was right. And so you sort of also have to wonder here. I mean, we get, we get a little bit about the mayor, right? We get, that he was married once a long time ago, mm. hundred or ish years ago, ought three, he says, mm. which is 1903, not 2003. Cause this right. is, you know, <laughs> this, especially this since came that was out still before in the that. Future. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, we're talking, you know, a long time ago and he, and he talks about, you know, sort of the, the, Tolkienian right lingering on the, mm. the stuff that happens to the elves who yeah. get together with humans and 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 uh uh Elrond's sort of chagrin with Arwen's decision yeah. right uh yeah, yeah. you know that you know what happens it it lingers uh he was with her right till the end but it wasn't a pretty picture yeah um she was wrinkled and senile and cursing me for my youth you know wasn't our happiest time and it's like even if even if you can have some happy moments, not truly happy, but maybe sort of mildly happy, because if they're truly happy, yeah. then Angel won't be Angel anymore. Mm. But but even if you had some decent moments throughout, that's what you have to look forward to. Yeah. And so what does that leave? If you can't be friends and you can't be lovers, what does that leave? Well, I and think it, that's and sort it, of... And it it's not... You know, they they try in the end to just dismiss the mayor as big, stupid, evil guy. What does he know? And, you know, Buffy can say his longest relationship w was with evil, but kind of doesn't sound like it. Kind of sounds to me like, you know, if we believe him, he had a wife and stayed with her into her old age and sounds like he had yeah. quite a long relationship. So maybe his words aren't so easily dismissed. Maybe he does know right. a little bit about... She might have lived into her 90s, yeah. you know, and, he, and he spent might, the bulk of that century together. He seems to know what he's talking about. So yeah. it lends extra, you know, experience and sort weight of credence, to his yeah. words. You know, I mean, is he trying to screw with him because they're he's the villain? Yeah, of course. But that doesn't mean that he's not... Right, you know, <laughs> doesn't mean right. That, well, and and that it might it's not be the, true what he's saying. The best way to get into their head might be exactly the truth. Yeah, yeah. you know what I mean. Like it, it, it's not 
just because it's true doesn't mean it's not hurtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And just because it's him be saying it doesn't mean it's not also true. Right, right. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and he yeah. kind of hits, and he puts, like, the worst possible spin on it. You know, that it's not just, oh, this is, look at all this misery that you have to look forward to. He puts, you know, the 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 weight of guilt on Angel, you know, he makes it about, it's not just, this is going to suck and look what you, like, you know, look what you can look forward to. It's Angel, she's a blossoming young girl and you want to keep her from the life she should have until it passed her by. Mm -hmm. My God, I think that's a little selfish. Is yeah. that what you came back to hell for? Came back from hell for? So, yeah. you know, putting not just oh, I'm going to screw with you and poison your happiness now, but put the burden of guilt on Angel to do something about it, you know? Yep. Um, you know, the kind of, if you love her, you'll let her go kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, seeing well, that and, Angel's and kind of, the same time. Angel's predisposed to sort of, uh, self-loathing anyway so i have a feeling right, that's right. gonna hit closely to home <laughs> well and at the same time it, there's a sort of you know step up and be a man yeah, about yeah, it too yeah. right like there's there's that right don't just you know, sulk about it do something what, yeah what what can you what can you really provide her yeah. you know is what what kind of a life can you offer yeah and it's 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 that that idea of you know you you're not really truly a man which in a way, again, he's sort of not, you know, he, yeah. he's a vampire yeah. you know, with a soul, but still yeah. a vampire. He can't fulfill all of her needs, so to speak, um, metaphorically or literally, you know? So it's a very, uh, very, uh, very deliberate attack. But like yeah. you said, it's not necessarily untruthful. No, no. Uh, and you know, in both shows, we are approaching season finales, and and I am aware of certain spinoffs that might be occurring. So, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you know, I'm I'm, uh, you know, I'm gonna put my money down that Angel's gonna take these words. I'm gonna put my money down that it's not like they, you know, uh break up for whatever other reason or that Buffy makes a decision. I think, I think Angel's going to stew on this for a little while and he's going to make a decision to just leave yeah. and just remove himself from, and you know what? And there's that, there's that uh, theme again, because he's going to do what Oz does and say, you know what? I'm going to take the choice away from you. You're not going to have a choice because I'm going to take it away. Yeah. So, um, that's going to be, that's, that's my guess I won't, at this point. I won't give anything away. I will only say that you don't have long maybe to find out whether you're right or wrong, sure. which, which, you know, again, we only have three episodes we left are in the season, like you pointed out. Yeah, so yeah. it's not like that's yeah. giving away much anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, well, I guess we're kind of talking about the mayor and the mayor and faith kind of go together in this episode anything else on sort of the mayor other than his words to them that that you wanted to point out um 
uh, I do. Let me get my notes. Um, well, a couple things, you know, I've been trying to keep in mind what you've said about him potentially having, you know, feelings of affection for people besides just his villainy. Um, so, you know, uh, you know, I definitely was kind of noticing the, the doting nature of how he treats Faith and, you know, his affection and appreciation for her, um, and kind of, you know, saying that she's, he would rather have Faith than that Buffy anyway. Um, you, you know, that yeah. really, this is his Which turns out not to necessarily daughter, be the right thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, so that's interesting. And, um, and then I guess just all the stuff with, uh, the box and these mm. spider things. So we have creepy, yeah. creepy spiders or creepy bugs in both episodes. We also have a box, yeah. which is bigger on the inside. It seems to me. Um, and we, cause he says there are, <laughs> he says there are 5 billion of those little guys in there. Yeah. It seems. And, and like each one seems to be like just enough to sort of fit within the mouth of the box. So, yeah, yeah. So either like, either they grow in size when they come out, or that box is a TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, or or I mean, we've talked about different dimensions. It it could sort of be a porthole or something yeah, of yeah. of some variety. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think I think bigger on the ins like however you define that. Yeah, um, and I don't think even the bigger on the inside be... precludes the. I think there is the suggestion that the TARDIS could have be some sort of portal. So those things aren't mutually exclusive. Right, right. It's a portable portal. Sure. Um, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think I think that's absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, so I, fifty billion or whatever. Fifty billion, yeah. Yeah, that's that seems like a lot. So that a wasn't excessive. that wasn't what I was expecting. I was expecting, you know, because he says it's something he needs for the ascension, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm expecting something i guess magical and and it like tools or implements like a tool of some kind or yeah something needed for a spell um mm -hmm. something Reasonable like that assumption. i was not expecting something you know as physical as a bunch of really creepy giant spiders so yeah. that's then that kind of made me even more curious cuz like Oh, you know, of course he needs spells for the ascension. That seems like a given, but and like this is more unexpected. Like, what what is the part that these creatures have in the plan for the ascension, yeah. and why are they so? It seems like they're vitally important to the plan. Yeah, and um, and not so, only that, but but why is he? Because he seems to be scared of them too, oh, yeah, even though he yeah. is you know, uh, invincible at this point. He's, yeah. Maybe he's not keeping that box shut. Yeah. You know, no, like, like he, he, maybe not. I mean, it's, it, he can heal himself, but it seems like he's definitely not, uh, keen on them getting loose. Mm -hmm. Um, right. And, and on the flip side, they don't seem bothered by him at all. I mean, one of them no. attacks him. So, like, it's not like he controls them no. in any meaningful fashion. No, they seem to be just wild, completely wild, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're their own boss. Yeah. <laughs> of all the people here, who's the boss who's of the me? Who's the boss of me? Um, so um, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting something as sort of just, uh, 
I guess, like, randomly physical and out of control as that. I was expecting more, like you said, like, some sort of a tool or, or something which is going to be used in, in a more of a ritual way. So mm. I'll be interested to see what he's going to do he, with them. <laughs> what he does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Again, really the only hints that we have about the Ascension is that it's going to happen on graduation day. So we don't yeah. necessarily know more than that at this point. Um, yeah. On the affection thing. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I've been saying it, so I'm glad that maybe you're <laughs> maybe or maybe I'm just browbeating you enough that like you're like, all right, already, dude, just I get it. <laughs> um, but I think also just going back to what he says about his wife, I think you do get a sense that there was affection there at some point. Um, and I'll point out that he uses a very sort of doctorish phrase, right? He I married my Edna May mm. and he talks about my faith. Um, and not that I'm saying necessarily we're supposed to equate faith with his long dead wife, yeah. but like, but like there, I would say that that, that possessiveness, like given that he seems to be, you know, a very powerful and greedy, aggrandizing man, yeah. <laughs> you know, like the fact that he considers them his maybe a little, you know, slightly messed up. I mean, yeah. but, but at the same time, like that does seem to point to maybe a, a sort of genuineness to his feelings, um, you know, towards them, even if it's a possessive, you know, sort of do what I say kind of thing, like he sure. does with faith, you know, he does have a, a sort of heavy handedness about him and, you know, don't make me repeat myself and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I don't know. I've always, I've always taken it that it's, that it's, that, as much as is possible with the mayor anyway, that there seems to be something genuine about his affection for her. And, and I, I still would argue that that extrapolates back to Alan as well, though I, I admit that there's less evidence of that per se. Mm. Okay. But that's just, that's my reading. I'm not saying you have to read it that way. No, it's a continuing, it remains, I think it remains, uh, discussion, you know, um, yeah, I think I will be interested to see where it goes. Um, as far as faith though, uh, well, I, I would say there's sort of a reciprocalness to that. Yeah. She seems to legitimately enjoy not just the enjoyment of getting a gift from him, but in mm -hmm. a sort of way that a daughter would enjoy getting a gift from a father kind mm -hmm. of thing. And, um, especially with that longing look back at the knife that she has to abandon. Yeah, and I guess I didn't really understand. It wasn't quite clear to me why she had to abandon it in the end. Why doesn't she just walk over? Because um, I, I wasn't sure. The hesitation in the end. It wasn't quite clear to me whether it was about leaving the group or leaving the knife and uh, hmm. and I wouldn't have said it was about the group except that if it's about the knife I don't know why she doesn't just walk over and take it and then leave so because so here's my interpretation okay. of that because I think that's that's good and I'm not saying I'm 
right per se, yeah. but the way I read it is is that they wouldn't she thinks that they wouldn't let her do that. Like this is if she tried to go get that knife, they would be like go leave now, mm. you know, and Buffy would fight her and yeah. whatever. And also because the mayor is saying, "Come on, Faith." Yeah. Like and I don't know I don't I mean in a way the mayor's again, we're back to choices, right? It's kind of like follow me now or go get your knife. Like there you can't do both. Right. That the mayor's almost forcing her hand, but there's also a sense in which I don't even know that the mayor realizes he's doing that, right, which may be right. worse. Like, I don't even know that he's necessarily thinking she needs to go get her knife. He's just thinking, I want her to follow me now with the box. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, so. It, right. And that's what led me to that, too, is because it seemed like he was putting a lot of pressure on her to come. Mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. And so then that made me think, well, maybe it's not about the knife. Maybe there's a hesitation there that he's picking up on, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, I guess it is, it definitely is at the knife, but, um, I think that is kind of a ambiguous thing at the end. You're not quite sure what exactly it is that she's hesitating over. Um, but I like, I... I like the, I like the idea that. You know, I, she's I would, not sure what'll happen if she goes for it, so she has to just leave it behind. Yeah, I that I think that's it. I don't. Yeah. I don't think that it's. I don't think it's like that. She wants to be part of the group again or anything like that. Like that. That would be way down on my list of possibilities. And and <laughs> and I that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. That was why I was yeah. sort of a little bit. Uh, not quite sure what to make of it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, and it's hard because we don't get a verbalization from her yeah, about that yeah. um, at this point. So, uh, but I think given how excited she sort of was to have and to use and, you know, to to sort of brandish that knife yeah. that the mayor gave her and because it was a father from, a father, <laughs> a gift from this father figure, yeah. uh, you know, I think that that's sort of that to me seems to be sort of what's going through her mind is I have to give up this very nice killing implement that was given to me. Yeah. Um, so, again, not saying I'm 100 percent right or anything, but that's just sort of the way I've always read that. Yeah. Um, um You also get the things like she doesn't even like it when he mentions Buffy, even if it's like yeah. to disfavorably compare her to Faith, you know, even if he's saying, you know, Buffy's nothing compared to my Faith, it's, he goes, oh, I mentioned the B word, didn't I? That it, mm-hmm. you know, he can't even, you know, she doesn't even want that word in this house, you know? Well, it's, it's like that, um, you know, to bring up the whole Doctor Who canon thing again, it's like mm-hmm. that blog post you pointed me to where he compares himself to Dawkins, you know, arguing oh, yeah, yeah. against God, even though he doesn't believe yeah. in him kind of thing. And it's 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 that same sort of thing, right? It's like, why do you even have to mention Buffy? Like, to compare me to Buffy is is to compare me to Buffy. Exactly. Like, why can't you just, you know, 
for my own reasons appreciate who I am. Yeah, even if it's positively, you can't. I I'm, I only exist in comparison to this more right. important Slayer. You know. Right. Um, yeah. Right. So you still are getting that. Uh, you know, even though all the, uh, you know, friendship and affection seems to be gone, you're still getting an envy and a jealousy, you know, of, you know, that Faith still can't sort of, I guess people can't help comparing her to Buffy and she can't help but compare herself and to be angry about it. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And gets pretty angry at Willow when Willow does the same thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, just calls her a big worthless waste or whatever. Um, Yeah. Go Willow. I mean, talk about, you know, a change from season one, mousy, you know, uh, Willow. And, and even so, you know, we, we, we promised to sort of try to, to bring in a little more um, commentary on the visual aspects. Sure. So I will note, just even look at like her outfit in this. Oh, I noticed that. Yeah. Like her kind of slinky red dress and everything. Yeah. Slinky was exactly the word I was (laughs) thinking of. Um, Yeah. And of course that led me to think about Zoe from Firefly. Um, You want a slinky dress? Uh, Anyway, (laughs) but uh, what's with the Firefly references? I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, just look at the way that she comports herself and, and sort of, you know, not not overtly sexy, but definitely sexier than sort of the cardigan and jeans, yeah. you know, that she typically wears. And, and um, you know, again, the sort of confidence that she just has yeah. in general, but in particular that, you know, uh, monologue or whatever that she has to faith when she's sort of telling her off and... And getting to that end of that where she's like, I don't, I'm not afraid of you. And she is kind of afraid. Like, you can sort of still hear in her voice sure. that she is a little. But, like, it's almost as she's saying it, there's 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 sort of a, an emergent sort of thing going on there. Because it's, it's almost like by just voicing that, yeah. she's not. Because look at what else she says to her or just immediately yeah, like by voicing it, it becomes more true, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. In a way it kind of does, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's not that, I mean, of course, like she wouldn't, she, you know, she wouldn't want to get cut by faith or anything, but in, in a way she just is like, well, I'm still going to say it. You know, I still, these things need to be said. Mm -hmm. And, and you do kind of wonder, like, how much is she just saying things to stall for time? But you don't quite get the feeling that that's all of it or that that's even primarily it. Yeah. It, she does actually have things to say to Faith. And these are kind of things that she's maybe wanted to say to Faith for a while. You know? Right. Well, right. boo-hoo, you know, yeah. poor you. Um, you know, and it's, it's, you know, at the same time, it's not like the buildup that we've seen um, – in other instances where, you know, you sort of get Willow like bursting, like, right. <laughs> like, oh, sometimes I unleash yeah. at a, at a moment when she didn't actually unleash. But, um, you know, but this is more like, this is more considered. It's more focused. It's not just sort of, you know, something that's been building inside her. So she needs to vent it out. It's, it's really, you know, just well said. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, so no, it's a little bit more calculated, I guess. Um, yeah. And she's being Seems and be. she's being smarter about it because it is you know she's kind of you kind a lot of the things that Willow does in this episode you realize are calculated and you don't realize them till later. Like you know now did she intentionally knock the drawer over so that the vampire would come in so that she could dust him? I'm not sure, but you're kind of open to that possibility. Um, you know, I think you're open to the possibility that she's doing all this talking with Faith so that to distract from the fact that she stole pages out of the book. Um, mm -hmm. and then in the mm -hmm. end, you know, you get her kind of faking out Giles a bit before she reveals <laughs> that she has the pages. So, right. um, a lot of it, like, it's kind of like all the things she's doing, which seem like sort of kind of, I don't know, more bumbling, I guess, turn out to be, uh, misleads and she's intentionally misleading you into thinking one thing and she's mm. really covering up something else so you kind of get to that's what kind of makes her so cool in the end is that like you realize all of this is on purpose um and so yeah. that kind of leads me to suspect that what she's saying to faith is kind of on purpose that this isn't like like you said like an angry outburst of things that she can't keep in that these are like considered words which she's using you know to manipulate faith um mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so very cool yeah. willow this is definitely what did buffy say that this is your night for suave or something like this is definitely yeah uh yeah. willow you know comes out on top in this episode i think she does pretty well for herself yep. and then in the end of course you know uh with you know her sort of declaration to Buffy that she's going to be staying and you know all these mm. things it's like you know there, you have certain episodes where things just go wrong for people and then you have episodes where someone just does everything right and that's this episode yeah. for Willow I think yeah and Buffy I kind of love you I kind of love you yeah <laughs> yeah no that's great um so well and okay so as Willow goes so goes Oz uh yes we we should just mention him briefly. We already talked about. I mean, you know, Oz is already a man of few words, but I just I love that completely silent. He just gets up, takes yeah. that whatever urn or whatever it is, and just slams it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you see the wolfish side of him yeah. in that moment, and then he just comes back and he like just kind of gives the slightest of nods to Buffy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you just... There. Yep. You you got what you wanted. Yep. I, I got what I wanted. We're good. Yeah, this is the we're, we're, we're allies, and she's like, okay, yep. good. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, yep. And, and I like... And it. I love that all the way leading up to that, he's just sitting... Because, I mean, I've, I've watched that whole scene before. Mm. Just looking at him mm -hmm. to see what, and he, he doesn't like move the whole yeah. time. Like he's, he just sits there. There's right, no trying indication. to determine when he makes the decision or yeah. Just, like yeah. there's no indication yeah. until suddenly he's standing up and, and one motion just throws that thing against the wall. Um, the other thing I sort of wanted to note and point out is uh, with him and Xander mm. working together mm -hmm. uh, and there's that, 
little moment where they're looking at Willow's instructions. Yeah. And talking about the um, drawing. And Oz is like, oh, this one's me because he's a guitar. guitar. <laughs> um, and he says, you know, there's no one like my Will. Yeah. And and Xander says, no, there, there isn't. Yeah. And, and just sort of a, it's a nice little moment. And not that we haven't seen Oz and Xander, you know, sort of working together before. Because they do sign, they do tend to sort of get paired up. Yeah. You know, every now and then. But um, it seems like whatever tension there may have been is completely gone. Yeah. yeah to yeah. me, that's that seems to be like the moment where they're both like kind of comfortable with how things have worked out. Like, obviously not to say that it should have ever worked out that way, but yeah. like they're well beyond it. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I like that, that there's that nice little moment where they can both sort of emphatically state their affection for willow but but it's not awkward be comfortable it's not, yeah. yeah it's not rivalry or anything yeah no no they both know what they mean and what she means to them and yeah and what they each individually mean to her and and um there's also sort of similarly like earlier in the episode um <laughs> when xander suddenly is reading jack kerouac um, yeah. And 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 Willow is like, you know, oh, I think it's nice. You know what I mean? Like, again, you get this like sense of like, you know, she's really supporting him or whatever. But it's not again, it's not awkward. It's not in a, mm -hmm. you know, a weird way kind of thing. Um, but anyway. Completely different from Xander and Cordy. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, <laughs> World's different. Yeah, well. So Xander seems as though he either didn't get into any schools or maybe didn't even apply for any schools that, you know, yeah. his, he's planning on road tripping uh, after college. Kerouac is my teacher, the open road, my school. Um, yeah. And uh, so, you know, whether you take that as in a depressing way or in a potentially like enlightening way I guess is up to your perspective you know um he seems to be trying to take it as he's going to become like this beatnik poet and Cordy kind of spins it as you know him not having any potential so <laughs> mm -hmm. um yeah and then of course that's flipped with Cordy um and so Am I understanding right that those letters that she has that she shows to Xander are rejection letters? Or do we just not know what's in them? Has she just not made a decision yet? Do do are we supposed to know at the end of this episode what is going on with her, or are we supposed to be sort um, of in the dark? Do you think? I, because she I think has we're not... letters which she shows him. Yeah. But then it's unclear at the end because she's working in the shop. You think she's just shopping and it turns right. out she's working there. So I kind of thought it could be that so, we that those are not good letters or maybe she's just not yet sure what her own choice is going to be. And she's sort of hesitating, I guess. Right. Um, good questions. Hmm. So basically, I think we are supposed to be in a, a little bit in the dark. Yeah. 
about Cordy um, at the end of the episode. I don't think we're supposed to take those as rejection letters because Xander, I mean, granted, he just sort of glances at them, but Xander looks at them and he seems to accept them as he accepts them as acceptance right and i kind of thought i I kind of thought afterwards it could have been that she just shows him the envelopes and we like him assume them to be acceptances and i thought afterwards did we ever actually really know that for sure um and that's what made me question it but i guess then i did reconsider and think well i don't know what they say they could say anything so i kind of settled on the fact that I don't know what is in them. Yeah. I mean, you're right. We don't see those letters or whatever. And we don't get like, you know, it's sort of the opposite of joy saying, Oh, look, you got into, you know, whatever. But, but I do think, I think we're supposed to take sort of Xander's reaction as, as the actual, like he's, he's surprised. Oh, you actually did get into some really good schools. And, and, and of course, right. So he's just trying to be a jerk and sort of flip around onto her, mm. you know, the things that she said to him about, you know, being useless and not getting in anywhere. And so he's like, oh, what happened? So you had the grades, but you didn't have the personality, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And and she's like, wrong again. Yeah. Like, actually, I got into all of these great schools. And I think we're supposed to take that at face value. Okay. But I, I would sort of turn around the question to you and say, well, what do you think is going on with Cordy? Hmm. What, what is, what do we know about her and her situation? And, and did that surprise you to find her working in a shop or? And I guess that's kind of what made me think that they could be rejections because the, 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 her working in the shop, seem to imply something in the same way that it's it's sort of like well you're graduating you have to do something so if you're not going to school what is it and for xander it's you know he's gonna go and road trip and having it like he's gonna go do something he's gonna go travel like that's his Mm. his graduation thing you know and the fact that cordy had a job seemed to suggest like if you don't go to college what do you do you go get a job you know it seemed to you know well and, in that and, direction but keep in mind but keep in mind there i mean there's still school like this isn't after school no job. no no and i and so this yeah, isn't no and totally i only took that as like a suggestion of something i like i i didn't necessarily take it as like obviously she hasn't quit school you know but that was kind of what it seemed to imply to me. Um, so, you know, and, and the fact that she was sort of, uh, not dishonest, but sort of lied by omission that Xander takes her to be shopping and she doesn't contradict him. And it turns out she's working there, you know? So the fact that it's sort of, what else are we misunderstanding about the scene? So that was kind of what, my thought behind it was, but I don't know what she's, I don't know what she's thinking of. I mean, I, I mean, other than just, other than just everyone at that age has a crisis about their own future, you know? Um, but 
I can't say that I really have any indication of what exactly Cordy's thought process is. Yeah. All right. Well, we shall see at some point. You're not going to illuminate anything now, I guess. No, what I mean, we know that Cordy is in a shop and that she's admiring a dress and she works at the shop where she's admiring a particular dress. Do you know the name of the uh, next episode? Uh, is it the prom? Yes. Is it a prom dress? It. I mean, I'm just saying that there could be a clue among those, you know, okay. facts that we know. Um, maybe not. Okay. I don't know. Yes, hmm. it's a prom. But what does that have to do with? <laughs> But, but, but what does that have to do with college and graduation? That's what well, I'm I, trying to figure out. Whether it does or doesn't, I guess, is the question. Okay. The two may or may not be related. Okay. Um, that, well, anyway. <laughs> uh Final final few minutes here. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else haven't we? We haven't really talked about Giles or Wesley. We have not. Um, or even Snyder. We get to see Snyder We do again. get to see Snyder. <laughs> He's kind of disappointed at the end that they're uh, not dealing drugs like normal people. Yeah. He, he's always been obsessed with drug addicts and, and the number, you know. Yeah. I mean, like, he, you know, it reminded me of something, because I think we haven't seen Snyder in a while. It reminded me of... Way, way back, before we really started seeing the mayor, those hints that Snyder had some sort of contact with the mayor, or at least had some inkling that the mayor is Mm -hmm. more than just your average mayor. Like, the mayor used to be the name of fear, you know, which would inspire people to do what he wanted them to do and everything. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it kind of... You know, I mean, Snyder was ignorant in this episode, as he usually is, about, like, what's going on. But it sort of reminded me to be like, oh, yeah, we still don't really know exactly what Snyder knows, you know. Well, and and that's a good point, because you, you get that, like, when when the creature goes on the mayor's face and he kind of pulls it off of him and yeah. heals himself. Um you get a look from Snyder. Yeah. Like, he's surprised by that, too. Right, right. So, yeah. I I don't know. I don't know how much Snyder knows. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, Snyder knows enough to be scared of the mayor. Yeah. That yeah, yeah. seems pretty clear, like you, you mentioned. Yeah. But, like, beyond that, it, it almost seems like maybe it's a fear out of ignorance. Because I'm not really sure how much... Yeah. Snyder really knows the mayor personally or whatever. He just knows that he's kind of like a bad guy and he has to keep things yeah. under wraps at the school or else the mayor will be on his back kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And and how aware Snyder is of the supernatural goings on in mm-hmm. general, you know. Sometimes right. it seems like And doesn't like it. And sometimes it seems like he's aware of it and sometimes it seems like he's maybe willfully ignorant of it. And and maybe mm-hmm. where one stops and the other begins, I'm not quite sure. You know, or, or at least always thinking about level of knowledge. Go, I'm not. 
you know yeah. that's never particularly been made and that's okay I, um you know but it just it we don't have to know you know exactly what snyder's aware of but i just hadn't thought about him in forever so it reminded me to be like oh that's right you know snyder does know at least something you know and he knows that the mayor is to be feared right. and is somewhat involved in what else is going on so right well and i mean even thinking like way back to like school hard where yeah. you have him and sort of the police chief or whatever sort of saying okay well yep. what are we going to tell the mayor what do we got to tell city council the usual story pcp yeah yeah okay let's go with that one yep. so yep. again you have this sort of like this idea of drugs covering the cover up, up the mystical yeah. Yeah. you know whatever so at, with that sort of wist wistful you know why couldn't you be dealing drugs yeah. like normal people yeah. you get you get that idea of you know one it would yes it would be simpler and and but also like the, you also get the feeling too like you're sort of equating that right because drugs just sort of like capital d you know as a sort of platonic ideal drugs, uh -huh. right? You, you know, is something that people are always like scared of. Oh, there's drugs in the schools or there's, you know, drugs in our neighborhood or whatever. Like there's, there's this sort of like sur uh, surreal kind of fear that you can't quite put your thumb on about what that means. And everyone sort of has a slightly different idea yeah. of it. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, you know, sort of making that sort of equation, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. You and, know, here. And and also that, yeah, he wistfully kind of does wish it was something as simple as drugs, but also you don't get the idea that he knew what he was going to find. You know, you kind of get the idea mm. that when he bursts in there, he kind of thinks it is just going to be drugs, that it is going to be, like, right. that he's as surprised by the fact that the mayor is in there and that there's magical stuff and all this stuff you know, that he is genuinely surprised. So yeah. he might be aware that it's a cover-up, but he might not know what it is he's covering up, if that makes any sense. Yeah. You well, know? and I think I think if you, you know, it's always difficult to extrapolate that, but I think it would be very easy to sort of say that's maybe the attitude that he's, or the amount of knowledge he's had all along. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's, he's sort of been playing a bigger guy than maybe he really is. Yeah. Um, you, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean that maybe, maybe there's not enough evidence to say that, but that, that would just sort of be my intuition of, of Snyder's real level of yeah. effectiveness. Cause let's, let's, you know, let's get real. He's only a high school principal. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're not talking like, you know, even in a small town, like that's still not that much power. No. No, <laughs> you know, relatively speaking. No, but it's interesting um, to have that remind. I mean, I, I, I they're gonna stay in Sunnydale, so maybe this isn't. It's not like we're never gonna see Snyder again after this season or anything. But they are graduating, so yeah. it's nice to have that reminder of him before that. You know that it, mm -hmm. I kind of had forgotten about him, so it was nice to like be like, oh yeah, we shouldn't forget about Snyder because. He's been involved in this way longer than we knew about the mayor and everything. So, um, right, right. And it seemed like when he was brought in after Principal Flutie yeah. died, that he was a plant. Yes. 
of sorts, yeah. right? Like Flutie just was sort of like you're incompetent, yeah. know nothing, yeah. whatever. I mean, he was kind of likable, but he wasn't really. We didn't really know him that well, or whatever. Yeah. But but Snyder, like, yeah, he he was an inside man, but not very inside. It's like he was just in the door. Mm. <laughs> he he wasn't like inner sanctum. Yes. <laughs> he was like they kind of let him stay near the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, I didn't have much for really Giles or Wesley this time, other than just to sort of point out continued, you know, kind of yeah different views on what a Watcher can and should be. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess Giles, again, re getting a restatement of his support for Buffy, you know, that he mm -hmm. agrees and helps and you know, uh, supports her decision to take action, you know, which isn't, again, the first time we've seen that, but it's sort of, you know, we're getting more and more of that lately, I think. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I guess... And like, easier to do when you have someone else who's Voicing sort of the, yeah, yeah. Supposed to be calling the shots right, or, right. or, or taking, you know... Right, good cop, you know, bad cop, he's, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and he's sort of the company man, yeah. right? Wesley is, and now Giles yeah. is the yeah. the outsider. No, Giles can be a little bit more rebellious when you have the voice of, you know, uh, protocol, which is Wesley. You know, who's whatever. You know, he's you know vested with the power of the council, and he has. <laughs> he like his little. He has his little like crosses. He like crosses his yeah, arms. Yeah, I forbid yeah. it. Um, and yeah, and that lasts all of a second, but, um, yeah, like right. Wesley being the voice of everything unintuitive and unemotional that, that he's, whatever the council says is what goes, um, and then, or, or whatever's safest or most practical, that's what goes. And mm -hmm. then when that fails or endless deliberation of possible, yeah. even, if unlikely, yeah. you know, things that might happen. And then, and yep. then when he can't stop them and they go ahead and, and bad things do happen, then, you know, whatever the most, you know, Machiavellian and profitable, you know, is sort of what goes that even if it means leaving Willow behind, well, we have the box, we have the advantage. We can't give that up now. Um, and you know, the, the greater good is more important than one ally. So, yeah. you know, and yeah, because he voices these things that nobody agrees with, he gets to be the, the scapegoat, I guess, you know, <laughs> that it means that yeah. Buffy and Giles and all the rest can disagree with him because none of them have to be like the bad guy who said like, he gets to be the bad guy and say all the things yeah. that, none of them, you know, I guess are willing to say so. Yeah. Well, and, and I want to sort of, cause it's easy to bash Wesley, but I want to yeah. point out that, that he's actually right in a couple of these instances. Sure. Yeah. Um, you know, like in the beginning when, when he's like, you know, right, everyone stop, you know, I'm the one in charge yeah. and tries to do his and, and Buffy, gets her, you know, oh, well, get on the train or move out of yeah, the way, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And and he points out, 
there might be some magical stuff involved here. Yeah, like, yeah. did you think of that? And of course he does it smugly and, and, you know, mm-hmm. in a, in a sort of wrong attitude, like, ha, put one over on you very childishly. But at the same time, it's like they didn't, and they could have just gone rushing in yeah. there and been in a situation. So what happens? Well, they bring Willow along, but again, you know, he's not, he's trying to get them to say, and and I'm not, you know, his motives aren't 100% pure. I mean, he does sort of just want to take the reins and make them all listen to him. But at the same time, there's a valid point to say, let's stop and think about this a little bit longer. Yeah. And they might have thought about things like, oh, well, what if someone gets kidnapped? Or, you know, who's, who's going to be protecting whom while our backs are turned and make sure that, you know, Willow yeah. doesn't get snatched and that kind of thing. So so there is a sort of escalating, you know, series of events that is caused by just sort of the rush and the decision of, you know, just going into it and not taking the time that might have been better. On the other hand, you also get the idea that Wesley is the one for endless, pointless debates and and preparation, preparation, preparation. Right. You know, it's it's at some point you have to stop repairing and actually do something. Um so, you know, but but even from the very beginning, uh, you know, he he was saying, let's think about this a little more. And at the end, he's still a jerk about it. But there is a certain vindication to saying we're at square one again. Yeah, we're back where we were before. Maybe had we taken another hour or two to think about mm-hmm. it and make better plans, there would have been you know, a different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, and that's why I, I, I wanted to be careful with whatever I said about what he's, because I don't know that that means that most of the things he's saying are wrong, per se. I think a lot of the things he's saying they don't want to hear for various right, reasons, right. but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're not worth saying or that he doesn't have a point. Yeah. Well, and like you said, it all really goes back to the beginning of Buffy wanting to to get out of Sunnydale. I mean, that's the the pebble that, you know, makes all the rest of it fall. And so, you know, it becomes it becomes her narrow mindedness, her single mind mindedness, you know, to Mm -hmm. sort of achieve that outcome. And all right, well, I need to defeat the mayor and I'm going to do it now. And and, yeah, you know not going to wait till graduation day. And it's that it's, it's proactive. Yeah. With pep. <laughs> it's the what proactive with pep. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's that sort of headlong rush that doesn't necessarily work out for the best in the end. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. not could saying Wesley with... is necessarily the most likable yeah. guy. Cause he no, is kind of gone... smug and a jerk and, and you can understand why they don't listen to him. But no, at the same he time, enjoys, he, when it, whenever he's right, he enjoys it a little too much, yeah. which means that nobody's ever going to want him to be right. You know? <laughs> yep. So yeah. anyway, all right. Well, I think we've, We've reached our end for this week. Okay. Um, already mentioned that the prom is next week, and and then we come up on the uh, final two episodes of the season, a two-parter of graduation yeah. day. So, winding down. All right. See you then. Mm-hmm.